Next up on Power to the Patient. Also, another thing that um, happened when I was younger, I started getting headaches like when I was in fifth grade. Um, and the doctor said that it may have to do with like the school food or like the fact that maybe the, the food may be high in sodium. So um, I started taking my own food to school as well. Welcome to Power to the Patient. I'm your host, Dr. Lily Rosenthal. Please join us as we invite real people of all ages and backgrounds to share their personal stories of success, when and how they made it their priority to pivot towards better health. Let's welcome today's inspiring hero of health. Hey, Yvette. Thank you so much for joining us today at Power to the Patient, and we can't wait to hear about your incredible story. So to begin, if you would please just share a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and how are you feeling today? So my name is Yvette. Um, I was born and raised in New York. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. Um, and uh, I come from, well, I was born to two Nigerian immigrants um, and I'm also the oldest of three. And um, yeah, so I've lived in Queens for most of my life, but I um, went to school in, um, for college, I went to Williams College, which is a small liberal arts college in Northwestern Massachusetts. Um, and while I was there, I majored in chemistry um, and concentrated in bi uh, biochemistry and molecular biology and Africana studies while on the pre-med track. So what I'm doing currently right now is I'm actually um, in the process of applying to medical school. Um, and during this time, I've been doing um, population health research. Um, I've also um, been helping with a uh, health food access program called um, Seeds in the Middle. Um, and more recently, I actually started working as a medical scribe. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm currently doing now. Fantastic. So a, first of all, I was born in Brooklyn as well. So we're both Brooklyn girls. Hey. Um, <laughs> yay. <laughs> and um, a, a really strong kind of commitment to the sciences and now health. And as your story, which we're going to share with the listeners, and we can't wait to just jump in, um, sounds like you're totally committed to a healthy path. Not everybody on this, you know, on this podcast has such a sort of health focused background, but you know, it sounds like it's a personal and a professional um, sort of core of who you are. So we can't wait to hear all about it. Uh, we always like to hear a little context. You gave us a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, oldest of three and Nigerian parents and um, a little bit of context on when you were growing up, who was in charge of your health and what was your family culture around health? If you could share with us, it sounds like a very interesting one. Your mom's a nurse, yeah? Yes, um, yes. So you had a little bit, and she was pretty plugged in, it sounds like, uh, to sort of health and, and what that, that meant for your family. So if you can elaborate, that would be great. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, my mom is a nurse. So when it came to things like if I had a cold or like any health um, related issues, my mom is usually the point person. Um, and she also grew up around like home re remedies. So when it came to trying to figure out how to get rid of something like a cold we will usually resort to something at home um, or but if it was something that she wasn't able to figure out how to get rid of um, then we'd go to the doctor um, so yeah she was usually the point person when it came to that um, and in terms of like outside of I guess 
sickness and just more general health, I would say um, she also was the main one that cooked in the household too. And um, um, since my parents are Nigerian, most of the food is basically what I came to realize was plant-based food and non-processed. Most of it is made with uh, vegetables, um, blended seeds. um, And so like the food that my family grew up with um was like was pretty much um is pretty much healthy foods um although there were times where especially because they wanted to uh, cater to the fact that you know we're american um we don't want to i guess like growing up we didn't want to eat nigerian food all the time um so they definitely would buy us uh um like american foods or even um especially because my mom was busy given that she was a nurse. There were uh, weeknights where she would give us like, um, like pre-made foods, like for example, like DiGiorno pizza or like the um, Pierre's grilled chicken sandwich. So even it was, it, it was interesting because like, even though we did have the Nigerian food, which is like very healthy, we also did eat some like foods, which later on we actually stopped um, eating because um, we started, my mom, especially because um, my dad has hypertension, um, mm-hmm. we were, um, my mom was very, was much more conscious of sodium, um, sodium both in like the food that she would make and also realizing that a lot of these pre-made foods had, were very high in sodium. Um, and like also another thing that um, happened when I was younger, I started getting headaches like when I was in fifth grade um, and the doctor said that it may have to do with like the school food or like the fact that maybe the, or um, the food may be high in sodium. So um, I started taking my own food to school as well. So I think those were like two two examples where um, that kind of led her to be more conscious of um, the types of foods that we were eating. Well, that's amazing. You bring up so many important points. Um, interesting that you really grew up at a plant-based, you know, um, you know, Nigerian food, which is really the healthiest, right? But then it's often, you know, we want to be quote normal, right? And the American diet, which we actually, yeah. it's called SAD, the standard American diet, which is yeah. sad for a reason, How right? Yeah. How ironic. What happened with your headaches? Tell me, you were in high, in high school, you were running track at the time, did it? Oh, yeah. so this, the headaches actually started, no. so the headaches actually started, oh, fifth grade, fifth grade, yeah, mm-hmm. it was in fifth grade, so um, yeah, my mom took me to the doctor, and then they said that maybe it has to do with um, the food that I'm eating, and like during that time, most of the food I was eating was uh, school food, um, yeah, so yeah, um, so then we made the shift into me just taking um, home food to school. And since that, like, since that moment, I stopped eating school food. So I also went to public school for until right before going to college. So during that time, I did not eat school food. Um, And I do think like thinking back, it definitely is one of the things that played a role into like me being more conscious about like, how foods that I eat can impact my body. Um, yeah, that's it's huge. We know this just, you know, evidence-based, like this is science, right? That food is sort of the number one predictor of our health, you know, and it's yeah. huge. Um, and there's so many, um, you know, behaviors around food, which 
so many people are just totally unconscious of it. Like they, they would just, you know, I just need to get calories in me and keep on working and not even paying attention. So that's, you know, amazing that your, your, your family is plugged in and you were plugged in. Tell me a little bit, tell a, you know, us a little bit about um, when you really started making changes. It sounds like fifth grade, you, you really re realized the link, but you had, um, you studied abroad, you studied in Spain. You, you took a class, um, it sounds like in Spain, which really sort of backed up uh, some of the things that your family had figured out around food and health. Yeah, you were studying public health and yes. tell us a little bit about that. So you had a sort of that had a big impact on you as well. Yes. Yeah, so when I was in Granada, I took my first ever public health class. Um, when I was at Williams, I just based because I wanted to major in chemistry and concentrate in biochemistry, and I was also on the pre-med track, and I also was concentrating in Africana studies. There were all these things that I wanted to do, and so I didn't have enough sp uh, space to like take a public health class. Um, um, but when I went abroad, that was something that was available to me. And so I made sure I, I um, took advantage of that. And so I, I took this class. One of the things I learned about was um, the social determinants of health. And um, so we were talking about how, for example, the Mediterranean diet of, um, that uh, Spaniards have, they it's healthier because of like the higher um, levels of like, for example, healthy fats and less processed foods. And also another thing, in addition to the Mediterranean diet was the fact that they tend to be more active because especially in Granada, um, people walk to their destinations, which is something I also got to experience as well. So it was, also, it was interesting learning about these things and how it contributed to the higher rates of um, uh, the increased uh, uh, life expectancy in this region, but also me myself experiencing like what it was doing to my health. Um, like I felt, I felt more energized. Um, I just felt like I had a clearer mind. I felt more lively. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting to see that and also think about, oh, another thing, for example, I noticed was that like um, with certain food products, specific chemicals and um, and foods and drinks that I recalled seeing in the United States were actually banned in Spain. So it was like interesting mm. to see how like um, these differences could potentially be contributing to the higher levels of chronic disease that we see in America. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are different, you really articulate very nicely and very importantly, how our environments really affect our, you know, choices and our health, right? What's available, right? Um, a simple thing like, you know, building parks or sidewalks, right? So people can walk, right? Um, you know, food choices, foods being banned. We try to do this in New York. I don't know if you remember in the Bloomberg administration, they wanted to limit soda size. I don't know if you mm -hmm. remember that or if you were at college at the time, um, that didn't really go through, but there needs to be, you know, um, you know, things in place to make it easy for people to make the healthful choices, right? I mean, oftentimes there are barriers, right? There's access, right? There's, there's sure. you know, there's access to, you know, good and healthy food. And so many, you know, things are education. Your, your family naturally was educated, educated you about this. And then mm -hmm. you went on to study about public health. And then you lived in a place where, you know, so many environmental factors made it easy for you to be healthy and feel right. well. And you you experienced this. You didn't read the data. You didn't, 
you know, look at it in a book. Well, you did, you read a little bit about public health, but you actually, it sounds like that was your lived experience in Spain, right? Feeling healthy. And then I, I'm assuming you felt so good. You wanted to continue that. Like, why would you want to go back to McDonald's? Right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, Maybe? totally, totally, totally. Like, yeah. I, and right. Like I, even when I was at Williams, like I didn't take any public health courses. So I didn't have much of a background in like social determinants of health um but it was just so interesting to see and experience like i was learning about it in this class but also me experiencing it made it just made it so compelling like i just felt like i just needed to learn more about what this relationship um like the importance of this relationship in our day-to-day -day lives you knew was important. Let's just define for our viewers. Some people may not be familiar with the term social determinants of health. And I'm going to actually, I'm, you know, sort of the host and the expert of the show, but you, you're, you're studying population health. So yeah. I'm going to learn from you. How would you define that? Um, or how are you defining that in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I would consider social determinants of health to basically be um, different factors, whether mainly um, external factors that can contribute to one's health. So like many people, when maybe when they think of health, they may think of, oh, like um, something related to their physiology or just, or genetics, um, something that is basically internal. Um, but with social determinants of health, it could be things that you may not think of on the surface, like something like, um, the environment you're living in. There's some environments in, for example, the United States that have higher rates of pollution and pollution has been shown to, for example, cause increased um, risk of developing asthma or another um, social determinant could be someone's socioeconomic status. Um, so somebody that has a lower salary may they may be more stressed because they either may be working more or they might not have, um, they may not have uh, enough money to have to buy healthier products. Um, another thing that could be tied to that is like if they have a lower salary, they may be in a lower income area and lower income areas tend to be considered food deserts, um, right. which are areas that um, don't have access to like fresh food markets and tend to be populated with fast food restaurants. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we know that. And those are very structural, serious structural problems, mm -hmm. right, that um, prevent people from optimizing their health. Yeah. Um, and we need to work on that. Certainly, you know, as, as a community government policies access, um, in addition to, and you really sort of state that beautifully, in addition to our own choices, some people have barriers that they cannot make the right choice, right? Granada yeah. seemed like a bit of a utopia, right? But there's some areas that right here in our New York City, you know, uh, in the Bronx, we know there's pollution and at high asthma rates. And mm -hmm. um, so we have to, at least when we can make the best choices. Um, you mentioned about, you know, time that, you know, time when you were in college and, you know, maybe in Spain, even, you know, balancing, you know, time is, is often a barrier. And I hear this in my practice all the time. People are like, I want to eat healthy, but like I get home late and I have two young kids and I, everybody's got their stuff, right? Some people have more stuff than others, right? Yeah. Um, but tell us how you kind of figure that out a bit for yourself, the sort of time staying healthy piece, any, any tricks, any, you know, commitments, any, you know, and anybody who makes the commitment to be healthy, certainly 
you know, has to factor in, you know, how can they practically do that on a day-to-day -day basis? Anything that you yeah. learned that you might share? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, to preface this, like, I do think a huge part in what allowed me to like actually make it happen was back to me going, um, going, studying abroad and like experiencing what like um, having a more healthier lifestyle like does for my health. And so realizing like, okay, if I really want to feel healthier, I actually need to carve out time and make it a priority. Mm -hmm. um, and so once I kind of like put that you know, at the top of my list of things that I had to prioritize along with, you know, doing well in school, um, as opposed to just making doing well in school the main, you know, the main priority. One of the things that, for example, I noticed I needed to do, but become better with, or two things was mainly like sleep and hydration. Mm -hmm. um, so when it came to sleep, I just made sure that by a certain time in the night, I had to be in bed and um, it didn't matter whether like I had a lot of work to do. Um, it just mattered that I was getting a certain amount of sleep because I also noticed that even for example, with studying for an exam, if I was sleep deprived, then me being able to study and retain the information um, was just a lot less efficient. And I noticed that by me just sleeping more, even if I didn't get through all the material that I wanted to get to, get through, I still ended up grade-wise doing just as well, or if not better um, mm. in school. And so that really, um, it just, it was just mind-boggling to see that I was kind of like for the past, the three um, previous years, I was kind of shooting myself in the foot by trying to, in order for me to do better, I felt like I needed to um, put more time into studying, which meant that I had to get which eventually meant that I was getting less sleep um, mm. and yeah that shouldn't have been the case and then in terms of hydration I bought a hydro flask <laughs> yeah it was it's honestly been key to my hydration like still have the hydro flask now <laughs> um, and it's it just made it easier for me to just have water whenever I felt thirsty versus like if I had a smaller bottle or um I would have to fill it up more often. So then if I'm, if I'm for example, doing work and I, I'm really trying to focus on the work, I, I wouldn't feel motivated to get up and drink water, but with having this hydro flask, it was right there. So I had no excuse. Um, and I also started to feel it more. Like once I started hydrating, I started to feel really be more conscious of when I was thirsty um, or when I was dehydrated. So. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing self-awareness there. And, you know, a couple of things, you bring up so many excellent points, but we can't really run on empty, like, you know, not, a, not enough sleep, not enough hydration. Those are basic things. And um, good for you for figuring out like more is not necessarily better as far as activities, right? Sometimes yeah. we, especially now coming out of the pandemic, we're like a kid in a candy store, like there's so much we we kind of want to try to do. Um, but you made the commitment to just like, no, I need to take care of myself. And I need to function well and I need to sort of excel at school and you got serious with yourself and that's when things happen that's when good things happen when you have a dedicated commitment to no I need to take care of myself and good things will kind of flow from that mm -hmm. so good for you for doing that I like the hydroflask this is not sponsored by hydroflask by the way <laughs> but we mentioned it a couple of times I do the same actually 
um, in my office because I'm with patients all day and I'm talking all day. I keep a, in fact, I have a water bottle right here, a water, mm. you know, glass and yeah. just keeping something, you know, having a system, having a program, having a habit where you know it's in front of you, you know it's with you, it just becomes automatic. And it sounds like a lot of commitments, but just having like a, you know, a regular program of doing the things that you know support you, Yeah. you take it off the table. It's like brushing your teeth. You know it's going to happen, right? right. So yeah. good for you for figuring that out. I just want to um, ask about something because I was, you apparently watched something else that sort of inspired you. You saw a film that was pretty impactful. Oh you. yes, and you yes. made a radical change. Tell us about that. Right. So, um, one of my friends told me about this uh, Netflix documentary called "What the Health," and um, at the time, I was, I already wasn't, for example, eating like red meat or drinking whole milk. I, um, I was already drinking like almond milk and kind of sticked to the leaner meats. Um, but she told me about this and she was like, she, she told me that after watching this, you may even consider chicken to be worse than red meat. And I was like, well, Whoa. okay, I have, to, <laughs> I have to check this out. So yeah, I decided to watch it. And it basically talked about, I don't want to spoil it for people that may <laughs> want to watch it or may not want to watch it, but um, basically it talked about how foods, um, how different meats and other foods are processed as well as like the relationship between certain types of um, products, mainly meat and health. Um, and just seeing just, and they also talked about stories where people actually, um, people cut off meat and um, they saw like significant changes in their health and they were even able to get off medications. And so just mm -hmm. seeing all of this, it, it was very, very, it, it was mind blowing to me, especially learning about how meats are processed or like how the animals that eventually um, become the meat that we consume, how they, the environments that they're um, raised in and yeah, it was enough for me to be like, nah, I'm not eating any meat anymore. So more, more education. Like not everybody, I mean, you did the rigorous sort of education of studying chemistry and yes. microbiology and public health, but you watched a film, which is a pretty, you know, yeah, you'd sit down and have dinner and, you know, turn on Netflix, right. And get educated. Um, and it could be hugely impactful. And I, you decided to cut it out. Like you saw it and you're like, mm, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I? So you were sleeping better. You were hydrating more. And, you know, the more education you got, you just connected all the dots and say, I want to sort of, you know, feel the best I can and maybe function the best you can. Right. right. And you made those decisions. Um, tell me a little bit about when, so your family apparently has some creative um, uh, swap outs because I like to make it easy for my patients as well and for our mm -hmm. listeners. So instead of meat, what did your family, you know, you know, with, with your sort of cooking or you cooking for yourself yeah. or your mom cooking, like what did your family swap out for the meat? And your yes. mom was kind enough to sort of go with your vegetarian <laughs> and vegan leanings now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at first it, for, for them, they were, so, so they actually watched it with, with me. <laughs> they did. Okay. Did yeah, they have the so same actually, response or no? Initially, yes, they did. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like even my mom said she was going to um, 
become vegan as well. But I think I think what made the difference between me and them was the fact that I had been learning about all these different things. And I, so I think the video was like the tipping point for me. Yeah. Um, but so what my mom um, does when it comes to like making soups, she, instead of meat, she used mushrooms for me. Um, and mushrooms are like, have a meaty texture. So it works like really well. Um, and even sometimes she like, uh, because of just me talking to them more about like the benefits of cutting down on me, um, she even some days like does the same and it, it works pretty well. Yeah, that you, you mentioned um, mushrooms and a lot of people are very protein focused, right? Oh my God, how am I yeah. gonna make protein if I don't eat meat, right? And you said something earlier that I just wanna bring up which is like a lot of people think like they're doing themselves a favor if they're eating chicken because it's not red meat and you know maybe there's some benefit there but chicken is no panacea you know and people don't really know that I think right. so they think like oh I'm eating chicken I eat a lot of chicken and they feel sort of it's better than red meat but there's problems with chicken as well and how it's processed and yeah you know how, how chickens are raised and you know there's a whole we could talk about we could have a whole other like you know episode on that <laughs> right. but um the, another really good a lot of people um you know they, they worry about the protein and we really do get enough protein from a vegetarian or vegan diet but beans are an excellent sort of swap out for me oh, yeah. they are super healthy high in fiber high in protein so i like to try to make it easy for my patients not everybody is so into this as you are right <laughs> and some of our viewers may be like well I, you know okay like i kind of want to do the same she you know, Yvette here is doing some like wonderful, you know, things for herself. Um, but like, how am I to get my protein and, you know, chickpeas, lentils, uh, black beans, hummus, which is actually chickpeas in a different form, right? Like yeah, every actually culture. Made, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, I actually made hummus for the first time a few days ago. Oh, and, and? it's so good. What's your bet? What's your health superpower? I, we asked this to all of our guests. <laughs> I would say it's my creativity. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's something that's gotten me through this whole vegan journey. Like even, for example, my brother, he he also watched the video. And so he, he was actually considering becoming vegan as well. Um, but he just felt like he couldn't put dishes together and he, he felt like he would be eating the same thing every day or he mm -hmm. wasn't getting enough protein. Um, but we live, we live in the same household. So if I was able to do it, then that means that it definitely could have been possible for him too. So he eventually, I mean, he, he definitely said it too, like, oh, I'm just not create, as creative as you, like, you know how to put stuff together. Um, and he doesn't know how to do that yet. So that's surprisingly common. I hear that a lot from my patients. They kind of want to do it, but they're like, what am I going to eat? What are... They really want like ideas. They really want like some recipes. And my, I, I'm kind of like you, I'm a bit creative um, in that I just, I don't know, I just put everything I like together, right? Like I, yeah. speaking about peanut butter, um, yeah, I like sweet potatoes and you could put peanut butter or tahini on a sweet potato which is totally delicious, right? You could yeah. just kind of make wedges or you could just stuff mm -hmm. it with that. So I, I have the same mindset as of you. So I think you and I just have to keep talking to people and tell them what did we discover last night or what substitute we made. And that's how things happen. Yeah. Like you're inspiring, I'm sure our listeners are like, wow, peanut butter and hummus, I'm gonna give that a go. 
you know, and, you know, you can't really, it's really, it's really not high risk. Like what can really go wrong? Right. Like not much, right. Like maybe it's not as delicious as you think it's going to be. And then you try something, you know, again, but um, keeping it fresh, literally, you know, and keeping um, and, you know, thinking outside the box and just adding things that you, you like. Um, Clearly you have made some amazing changes for yourself. We always like to ask the question um, if you've, if you think you might have made, you know, any changes for other people and sort of how they think about their health, because we get excited about this stuff, right? When we feel good, when we function well, when we figure out some things on, you know, how to be healthy, when we start committing to things, um, what would be, tell us about you, I must say this vegan page that you put together, we want to hear more about this. Tell us about this, because you sounds like you've inspired a lot of people to make changes. Yeah, so um, last year, uh, last November, I decided to make a vegan page. um, And it kind of was inspired by just the fact that I loved cooking and I would post it on my social media regularly. Um, And some people asked me, like, am I ever going to start a YouTube channel or anything? Um, Uh Or people would regularly ask me for recipes. So when I became vegan, I was like, why not use this opportunity to also, like, show not just the fact that I love cooking, but also the health um, aspects of it and the just the importance of eating healthy foods and the fact that you can eat healthy and enjoy it as well. Um, So yeah, I made my vegan page. um, And since then, I've had both friends and people that I don't know follow the page. And um, so there, I post my recipes. I also post like nutrition facts. So some days I have like a vitamin Friday and a mineral Monday. So I, I just choose a Love it. Uh, vitamin or mineral and just talk about, I talk about like some of the benefits as well as plant-based um, plant sources uh, that are rich in these vitamins or minerals. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's inspired um, a lot of people actually, like some of my friends or people I don't know would um, respond to some of the posts and say that I like basically say that I inspired them to either go vegan or try more plant-based foods and one of my friends he actually would save um save the post the especially the vitamin and mineral post and when he would go to the store he would open it up to look at to um amazing to help him find like what foods he should get um and he said it's really made him connect more with food in terms of like how it actually improves his health um, that's so. so great you're already you're, you're not even a doctor yet and you're getting people healthy which is incredible <laughs> you're you're like practicing medicine without a license but that's fine because you're you're giving them some no side effect ways of just getting healthier do you want to mention the page if anybody's listening they oh, want to yeah. kind of tune in we would I, I would love to know for myself yeah so the page is called her vegan voice love it um yeah so just her vegan voice no spaces or dots in it if we google that we'll find you and and all this great information yes it's an instagram page amazing that's amazing um you have gotten serious in so many areas the food which we've talked a lot about because i think this is like our number one favorite topic here on power to the patient to talk about food because the connection (laughs) between food and health is it's huge right and when people start getting healthy we really think about this we eat at least three meals a day right we're constantly eating and we needed to survive you made changes in your sleep right 
which you've made it a priority to sort of get your sleep, knowing that if your tanks are empty, that you're just not going to be able to feel and function well. And you have a lot ahead of you. So when you get to medical school, which is going to happen, um, you know, you want to sort of keep that food, sleep and hydration piece, you know, um, sort of into, you know, uh, you know, front and center, right? And even if there's not a lot of time, because life gets super busy, to just make those a priority and do the best you can of, of knowing that that's important, that that shouldn't be last on the list. But um, we always ask, you know, do you have any new health goals? Not that you haven't done enough already. You've done some amazing <laughs> things for yourself, for your family, your brother, your, your vegan page, her vegan voice, you know, page, you've inspired so many people. Um, you shared with us that your parents are eating a little less meat, but um, anything new? Yeah, you're, we're just, we're, you're like, we call the people that we speak with heroes of health because it, it does take commitment. It does take time. It does take um, creativity and yours especially seems to be your, your superpower of sort of thinking differently about how you're gonna do these things, which is incredible. And you're obviously super determined because you watched a film and then you're like, no, 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 I'm like, I'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> sort of go vegan. So, but it made sense to you, you connected all those dots. Um, so I keep interrupting myself, but any new health goals for you, Yvette? Anything that you, you're, what's next for you as far as uh, staying healthy and getting maybe even healthier? I love this question. Um, so, Taking it a step further with being vegan, I came across information about eating plant-based foods in its raw form and, and how it's the best way to maximize nutrient intake. And it also has great detoxifying benefits. And so I've been very curious about what that would do for my health and, as well. So one of my goals has been to consistently integrate this into my diet every week and ultimately go a full week on a raw plant-based diet before the year ends, which uh, I know is gonna take a lot of discipline and even more creativity, but I'm up for the challenge and excited to experience what that uh, will do for my well-being. Do you see how that's gonna work for you? What about exercise? Is that part of your plan yeah. of being healthy? Do you... Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been, yeah, that's something that I've actually been able to get better at, um, which is aside from cooking, another thing I enjoy doing to keep me physically, mentally, and spiritually uplifted is yoga. So a huge goal for me has been being able to hold poses and do poses where I'm lifting my own body weight without um, struggling so I see that and I see that as something that's not only cool but also empowering so recently to help me uh, accomplish this goal more quickly I started doing workouts that strengthen different muscle groups and so every day of the week I focus on um, a different set of muscles and so I'm hoping that doing this will help my body and mind get to where it needs to be to be able to effortlessly hold my own weight. So yeah, that's another goal that I have. 
Yeah. Super important. Um, and you'll need the endurance and the strength going through medical school. Trust me. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a runner and going through medical school, I made it my as tired as I was as no time that I had. I, I forced myself after being on call for 24 hours and sometimes longer in a, in a shift, I would force myself and commit to running um, and just going running after work. Even I, I got no sleep just to kind of keep the body you know, sort of in a, in a rhythm of, of functioning. I was not, you're going into medical school with a much stronger foundation with your food. Cause I didn't learn how to eat well until, Oh, I don't even know what I want to say when, but <laughs> it took me a much longer time. So, um, congratulations to you and your choices and, you know, already physician. I don't know if you know, this actually means teacher. So you're already teaching people. So even without, you know, MCATs and getting into med school yet, which we, we know you will, um, you will be, you know, educating people to do, cause this, you're not going to forget this, right. Cause this is so embedded in who you are right now. Right. Um, and we're just so grateful for your story and sharing and the details and really congratulations for figuring out so many, you know, a way to live that just supports you and, and the people around you. So um, thank you so much for joining. It was such a pleasure and thanks for inspiring all of us. Of course. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak about my journey and hopefully inspire others. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Yvette. Of course. Take care. Stay yeah. healthy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. I'm your host, Dr. Lily Rosenthal, with a giant thank you to my partner and the amazing team at MedShadow. MedShadow is a nonprofit whose mission is committed to educating the public on science-based options for making the best healthcare decisions for ourselves and our families. Perhaps you or someone you know have a success story to share. Have you avoided surgery or medication by adopting a healthier lifestyle? Have you beat or reversed a chronic disease by changing the way you eat, sleep, or move? Have you lost weight and got healthier? We would love to hear from you. Please email us at powertothepatientpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well and stay healthy.